Well, we just passed the holiday that we call Thanksgiving, and it's one that much, at least in the United States, uh, celebrates. But I'd like to talk just a little bit about Thanksgiving this evening. And uh, where our Thanksgiving belongs or should be directed. Certainly our Thanksgiving table, we give thanks for that. But maybe what, what should we give thanks for? And we're not going to exhaust that uh, either. But what, what should we get thanks for? Mort sings a song, and I, and I love the song. I love to hear him sing it. Thank you for the valleys. Now, that's a tough one, isn't it? Thank you for the valleys. It's uh, after you come through the valley and look back, it's a little easier to thank him for the valleys. But right in the middle of the dark valley, that's, that is a, a difficult one. And, and only the Lord can bring us through that and cause us to view it uh, in that manner. But I'd like to go to Psalms 100. I think it was read recently in a scripture lesson by one of the brethren. But Psalms 100. And uh, verse 4 is what we will uh, take our lesson from. I want to read the the five verses, though. But verse 4 is what we'll be focusing on. talks about Thanksgiving. But Psalms 100 and verse 1. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know you that the Lord, he is God. It is he who hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. So certainly a, a psalm that's looking to the Lord, giving thanks to whom, uh, uh, praise and honor and glory to whom is deserving of it. But the verse four, enter into His gates with, enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him, and bless His name. So we realize that the. Uh, in the Old Testament, they offered literal sacrifices of blood of bulls and goats and, and many different sacrifices uh, that they offered. Uh, is that what we offer in this day and age? Well, we don't offer the literal sacrifices in this day and age. But I'd like to go back uh, in the book of Leviticus and uh, Leviticus chapter 7 and look at the a sacrifice of thanksgiving. There's some uh, interesting things in that. Leviticus chapter 7. And uh, verse 11 is after Exodus. Leviticus 7 and 11. 
And this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer unto the Lord. Our lesson talked about going before the Lord. So they would go before the Lord and they would offer sacrifices. Verse 12, if he offer it for thanksgiving, which is what we're talking about, then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened cakes mixed with oil and unleavened wafers anointed with oil and cakes mixed with oil of fine flour fried. Beside the cakes, he shall offer for his offering leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offering. So here, and we've talked about this before, we see the, the offerings of unleavened, and that was something that, that uh, is common through all the sacrifices. They offer sacrifices, unleavened bread. Leavening is a type of sin. But here we see in this thanksgiving uh, that they would offer a sacrifice of, with leaven. And we talked about that before. I don't want to spend too much time on it. But the unleavened uh, points to Jesus Christ not having any sins. So they were not to offer any leavening with anything except what we see here. And I, uh, again, I don't want to spend too much time on this. I know we've, we've talked on this before. But... Uh, I've read, and I don't read a lot, but I've read some commentaries because this was, this was a surprise to me when I saw this. I didn't understand it. This was peculiar to me. Why they would offer a sacrifice with leavening in it on this Thanksgiving. Why would they do that? And every place that I read said, well, that sacrifice with the leaven represents us and our sin. And it, and it was about every place that I could read on it, that's what it was saying. And it sounds like, well, yeah, that would fit our sins and so forth. But, but does it? Would it fit? That we would offer ourselves? We know we are living, we know we are sin, but would we offer that up to God? We don't go to Him through. Us, we don't go, when we go before his throne of grace, we don't go through us, we go through Jesus Christ. They would offer, whenever they went before him, they would offer these different sacrifices. And many different sacrifices they offered, of course. But why the sacrifice of thanksgiving? Why with leaven? Which is a type of sin. A type of evil. Why? Why with thanksgiving? Again, I, most of the commentaries that I read said, well, that represents us. We, we never go before God with just us. We wouldn't go before God through us. We wouldn't go before God through our righteousness because our righteousness is filthy rags. So why this sacrifice <clears throat> with leavening that does represent sin? Why in this sacrifice of thanksgiving? I believe there's only one answer. We wouldn't offer ourselves because we're sinners. 
But so this, we, we know <clears throat> as we study the Old Testament and the laws and the types and the shadows, they're all pointing to Jesus Christ, aren't they? All the sacrifices are pointing to Jesus Christ. He's the lamb. He's the red heifer. All the sacrifices point to him. But this sacrifice of thanksgiving is to be offered with leaven. Why? I think there's only one answer. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, he took our sins. That's the leaven. Is that not something to give thanksgiving for? When he went to the cross, he took your sins. And I, I believe that's the only answer to what this, why this one sacrifice they would offer leaven. When all the other ones, it was always unleavened. But here, the sacrifice of thanksgiving, they would offer leaven, which is a type of sin. And that's how we see our Lord. When he, he, he took that cup, he, he, you know, in the garden, you, you know uh, how much stress and, and anguish and anxiety that he was under when that cup with our sins passed before him. He said, Lord, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will but thine. So he took our sins, <clears throat> then he went to the cross. If he didn't have our sins when he went to the cross, then our sins would be yet unpaid. <clears throat> so when you see him on the cross with your sins, with this leavening, doesn't it make your heart be filled with thanksgiving? I think that's the only explanation for that. He went to the cross. We say, did Jesus have any sin? He had no sin of his own. But when he went to the cross and the price that he paid, more sin than anybody had ever went to the cross for because he had the sin of all God's elect, Throughout all ages. So, I, I, but anyway, that's a, a sacrifice of, of thanksgiving. They would offer this leavening, and we don't see it in the other sacrifices. So, again, whenever we see our Lord on the cross with our sins, certainly we give him thanksgiving for that. Uh, Psalms 26. Again, we're just going to look at some scriptures uh, about thanksgiving. Psalms chapter 26. And things that we would give thanksgiving for. Again, on the holiday we call Thanksgiving, we, we certainly uh, thank him for the, uh, uh, the bounty that he puts before us, realizing that many don't have that. Uh, Psalms 26 and verse uh, 7. That I may make known or publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. So we, we publish with a voice, or we make known with the voice of thanksgiving, and we tell of all his wondrous works. <clears throat> we don't tell, as, as we witness, we don't tell of all of our wondrous works. 
we don't tell how I accepted the Lord. You remember, be careful of that word, I. I accept the Lord, <clears throat> which points to something that we do or we have done. Now, he'll make us accept him, but it's not I, it's not we. So we tell his wondrous works. When I say, I accept the Lord, I'm not telling of his wondrous works. I'm talking of mine. We're boasting of ours. We hear, well, I believed. <clears throat> Again, I. I have uh, been criticized for not putting enough emphasis on believing. Believing is, is, I'm thankful that I believe. I'm thankful that you believe. But it's not, that's not I, that's not you. It's he that causes us to believe. So when we say, well, I accepted, I believe, do you see what we're doing? We're not giving thanksgiving to him. We're boasting in ourselves. I choose, I made a decision. How many times have you heard that? They're talking about uh, choosing or accepting uh, the Lord, but they have to put that I in there. I professed. We hear that. I'm living above sin. Or I'm, I am doing the best I can. All oh, they get those eyes in there. I'm doing my best. We hear that. But this says, giving thanks, giving, and tell of all of thy wondrous works. So, we talk about Jesus Christ on the cross. We talk about his election. That he elected his elect in Christ from before the foundation of the world. That's his wondrous works. That's what we tell. That's what we go with thanksgiving about his wondrous works. That he elected his, uh, God elected us in Christ before the foundation of the world. And he paid the price in full for our redemption. So that's telling of his wondrous works. Thanksgiving to him. Not I, I, and I. Psalms 69. <clears throat> and certainly the, well, from the first page to the last page, we have reason to give thanksgiving uh, unto him. Psalm 69 and... Uh, Verse, oh, I was in 38. I thought, that doesn't look right. I was in 38. So 69 and is what I want, and verse 30. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than ox or bullock that hath horns and hoofs. So again, they offered uh, sacrifices of bulls and goats and so forth like that, uh, I, I suppose in the millions, no doubt. But this says, I will praise the name of God with song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. We're thankful to him that he has chosen us, thankful to him that he has elected us. 
Thankful that he has his son pay the price for our redemption. <clears throat> Thanksgiving to him for everything. And it says, this also shall please the Lord better than ox or bullock that hath horns and hooves. So we don't go to him with sacrifices of bulls and goats. We go to him with a heart filled with thanksgiving. Uh, I heard, I've mentioned it many times before, a lady, we were having a discussion. She was talking about certain things. She said, well, the Lord's done all he can do. Is that thanksgiving? Lord, see, their motive is good. They think they're defending the Lord. But are they really? The Lord's done all he can do as if that's not enough. So that's not going, or this, this uh, here in verse 30 and 31, said, magnify. I will praise the name of God with song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. If I say, well, you know, things are pretty bad, or this person's pretty bad, but the Lord's done all he can do, am I magnifying the Lord? And the answer is no. Belittling the Lord Showing, saying that the Lord is a failure. He's done all he can do, but that's not enough. I heard this this morning on television. The Lord wants everyone to be saved. But we know some won't be saved. Is that magnifying the Lord? This one, uh, again, on television this morning said that some will go to the lake of fire. I agree. Some will go to the lake of fire. But what he said before that is the Lord wants everybody to be saved. So if you say he wants everybody to be saved, then you say some's going to the lake of fire, some's not going to be saved. You're not magnifying the Lord. You're saying he's a failure. They don't mean to say that. They had good motive, but that's what they're saying. And I'm going to go to that scripture. You're familiar with it uh, in Second Peter, uh, because if you haven't been faced with it, surely you you will. Second uh, Peter chapter three, and I hear it quoted often, actually, or partially quoted. Second Peter three and nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So they say this, and they say the Lord, he's not willing that any should perish. But then in the same words, they'll say, some are going to perish. Some's going to the lake of fire. Some's not going to be saved from the lake of fire. Is that magnifying the Lord? Well, the answer to this, to understand it, says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, and he's not, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us. And that's how we understand this. He's long-standing towards us, not willing that any of us should perish. He's talking about his elect, his elect because you can look at this. We have the... Uh, uh, the theys and the thems and the scoffers 
And if we see that in, in chapter 2 and chapter 3. So the they's and the them's and the scoffers and so forth, it talks about them. But it talks about you and ye and us. And that's what verse 9 is talking about. He's not willing any of us should perish. And not one of us, his elect, will perish. But are the magnifying the Lord where they say he doesn't want anyone to perish? No, they're belittling him and not magnifying him. So does the Lord want any to perish? I know that's, a, that's hard to understand. It's hard to comprehend. In Romans chapter 9, very familiar uh, to you, but I want to go look at that as well. Romans chapter 9, as we look at this, what some may look at as a negative side, there's also reason for thanksgiving in that. So Romans chapter 9, and, uh, well, let's just start in verse 8. That is, they who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. And there's a good study in that. For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. You have Abraham and Sarah, you know. And not only this, but when Rebekah also has conceived by one, even by our father Isaac. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob. And uh, said, for the children being not yet born. Now this is, I understand this is hard for us to understand. And many don't magnify the Lord in it. And many don't use this for thanksgiving. It says, for the children, so, there was a set of twins still in the womb. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand not of works, but of him that calleth. So what this is saying, God doesn't see your works and choose you on the basis of that. Now, the world doesn't believe that. The world believes that God sees your works and he elects you on the basis of that. But this tells us plainly it's not that at all. The children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said to her, the elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. And, and I know it may be difficult for some to understand. And I told you before, the, I told one individual, she reacted to this, and she said, well, I can never serve a God like that. And she's not. She's not serving a God like that. She's not serving, or at that time, anyway, she wasn't serving the God. But th this is God. But many people uh, uh, can't see this. And they want to look at this and say, well, if God was that way, he would be unjust. Well, look at verse 14. It brings up that very question. What shall we say then? Is there in rising with God? God forbid. So it brings that question up. 
So if God loves one and hates the other before they were even born, before they did any good, before they did any evil, would he be unjust? And our human nature would say yes. But our human nature would be wrong. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. It even goes down through there. Well, let's just read it too. 15. For he said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it's not of him that willeth, nor him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. We talked about mercy this morning. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee. And that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy. And whom he will he hardeneth. So is God unjust in that? Again, our human wisdom would tell us yes. But if we look at it from this point of view, we are gods. He created us. We belong to him. Cannot God do with his own that pleases him? And yes, he can. Uh, verse 19, I didn't plan on spending this much time here, but that will then say unto me, why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? And that's a question that's, that's asked. Well, then, if, if, the, if Pharaoh didn't have any choice and God hardened his heart, you remember he told Moses, he said, you go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And he said, but Moses, I'm going to tell you before you go, I'm going to harden his heart, and he cannot let you go. So then Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he couldn't let him go. Then why would God, God find fault and destroy Pharaoh and the whole army in the Red Sea? We have a problem understanding that, don't we? But we get the answer in verse 20. Nabot, O man, who art thou that replies against God? Shall the thing that formed shall the thing formed say to him that formed us why hast thou made me thus he made us we don't have the right or knowledge to say why this way or why that way hath not the the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel to honor another to, to dishonor doesn't he have that right of course he does what if God willing to show his wrath to make his power known, endued with much long suffering, endured with much long suffering, the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had before prepared unto glory? I used to have the thought, and well, I used to, in my mind, well, why doesn't God just save everybody then? And that's a question that I would ask, that people might ask. But could you understand God's love if he did? If everybody was in the bride, everybody's in heaven, could you really understand God's love? I don't, well, he could make us any way he wanted to, of course. But, so some look this, look at this scripture here, and certainly they wouldn't magnify God in this. They'll go to, again, Peter, where we read there. God's not willing that any should perish. But we see, surely, he does. 
So how do we look at this? We're talking about Thanksgiving tonight. We look at this with a heart of thanksgiving. God, thank you that you elected me. That you elected me before the foundation of the world. So we look at him with thanksgiving. Again, you know, people say, well, no, he, uh, he wants everybody to be saved. Well, this is proof that he doesn't. We could go, I don't know if we have time or not, uh, Let's go to Matthew chapter 13. It's kind of on the same vein. The Lord Jesus Christ, as he was here on the earth, and he was speaking in parables, uh, and his disciples saw that some did not understand this. And so they went to him in verse uh, 10. After he had been speaking in these parables, and his disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou to them in parables? They said, Well, we understand what you're saying. But these people don't understand. Why are you speaking in parables? And it's a, it's a good question. But he answers. In verse 11. He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it is not given. How are you going to understand the mysteries of heaven? Only if it's given. It's given to some, others, it is not given. Is that not his right to be able to do that? And the answer is yes. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that which he hath. One scripture says, even that he seemeth to have. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing, see not. And hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing you shall hear, and you shall not understand. And seeing you shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart has become gross. And their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. So can't we see from this? He said, why do you speak in parables? He's saying, because I don't want them to see. I don't want them to hear. I don't want them to understand. Again, our earthly wisdom would say, well, that's not right. That's not just. But again, shall the thing formed say to him that formed us, why hast thou made me thus? So we, we could look at the, what some call the negative side. But we could also, we're talking about Thanksgiving. We could look on the Thanksgiving side. Is there anything to be Thanksgiving about something like this? Well, yes. Look at verse 16. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Is that not something to be thankful for in thanksgiving? And look at verse 17. If this doesn't make you feel blessed. For verily I say unto you, many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear, and have not heard them. So 
Does that not make your heart filled with thanksgiving? Magnify the Lord. Uh, Psalms 107. Again, Psalms as well as other scriptures are filled with reasons to give thanksgiving unto Him. Psalms 107 and verse 22. And let them sacrifice the sacrifice, sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare His works with rejoicing. And that's what we're talking about. That's what our lesson said. We go before him with sacrifice of thanksgiving. And that, that, sacrifice, that literal sacrifice that they offered for thanksgiving was offered with leaven. And again, that's a type of Jesus Christ going to the cross with your sins and my sin. But here, let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving. And declare his works with rejoicing. So as we look there in, in Romans chapter 9 about Jacob and Esau, we should be thankful that he has elected us, our hearts filled with thanksgiving. We look in Matthew there where he spoke in parables that some could not see, could not hear, could not understand. And that's the same today that we see in the scriptures. It's not, it's not just plain. It's a line upon line. Here a little, there a little, precept upon precept. So we go with him with thanksgiving that he's caused you to see and calls you to hear. So there we, again, once we offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving, and it says here in 21, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his, his wonderful works to the children of men. We should be thankful Psalms 136, as we're going through Psalms here. Certainly a reason to be thankful. And I'll never forget, well, let me, let me just read verse 1. Oh, give thanks. That's what we're talking about tonight. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. I never will forget Brother Austin taught on this on Wednesday night. In every verse when you go down through here, it ends with, His mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. And Austin, maybe we just get through two or three verses. But every Wednesday night, while I was studying this, he'd read the whole thing. But he read it, and you could feel the passion in it, for His mercy endureth forever. Aren't you, we're talking about Thanksgiving, Aren't you thankful that his mercy endures forever? I, this morning I shared, which I've shared many times, and I'll just share it again, what this so-called preacher was saying. And if what he was saying was true, then this scripture, Psalms 136, would have to rip it out of there because it would definitely not be true. He said this elderly woman was in the nursing home, been a good Christian all of her life. She was ready to die and go to heaven. And her son came in with a deck of cards to help entertain a mom. 
and they were playing cards. And he said, then the flames of hell's fire started burning her feet, and she died and went to hell. So she was a good Christian woman all of her life, and now for this, she died and went to hell. Does his mercy not endure forever? Well, yes, it does. And, of course, the playing cards has nothing to do with it uh, anyway, but the world looks at it that way, of course. But here, oh, give thanks, and that's what we're talking about tonight, giving thanks, thanksgiving. Give thanks to the Lord for his good, for his mercy endureth forever. We read this this morning, Psalms, talking about his mercy enduring forever. Psalms 89, we read that, and I want to read it again. It's, it's, again, it's something else to give thanks to him for. Psalms 89 and, and verse 30 we're talking about, does his mercy endure forever, or does he say, okay, you cross the line, that's it? Or does his mercy endure forever? Psalms 89, 30. For if his children forsake my law, and walk not mine ordinances, if they break my statutes, and keep not my commandments, then will I visit their transgressions with their rod, and their iniquities with stripes. It doesn't say, then I will send them to the lake of fire. Then I will visit their transgressions with the rod and their iniquitous stripes. In other words, correction. And in verse 33, nevertheless, my loving kindness means the same as mercy. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, nor allow my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break, nor will I alter the things that's gone out of my lips. So his mercy endureth forever. We go to him with thanksgiving. Don't you go to him with thanksgiving that his mercy endures forever? Hebrew chapter 13 talks of the going before him with a sacrifice. But do we offer sacrifice to bulls and goats? No, that's that's not what we go with. But we are talking about going before him. That's our lesson. We go before his courts. We go before him with thanksgiving. Hebrew 13 and 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. You say, well, okay, well, if we, go and, if we go and we offer sacrifice of thanksgiving, and we offer giving thanks to his name, then that's something we've done. No, you missed, you missed the second word. Well, the first two words. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. By God's grace, we offer the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, but we do it by him. We can't take honor and glory for that. Well, what can we take honor and glory for? Nothing. We're to be thankful for all things, but there's nothing we can take honor and glory for. In fact, let's close with this in uh, Revelation chapter 11. 
uh, or Revelation chapter 4, actually. So how much honor and glory can we take honor and glory? Well, I accepted, I chose, uh, uh, I offered the, the, the uh, sacrifice of thanksgiving. I magnified his, his name. Can we, again, I know we've got the word I in there. Can we take honor and glory for that? Revelation 4 and 11. Let's read verse 10. The four and twenty elders fall down before him that is seated on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. So there's no honor and glory stopped with us. And yes, here in this body, we offer the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips. We give him thanks. We give him credit. We magnify his name. But, uh, well, well, David, when they offered this, this huge sacrifice, and they said, but who am I and what are my people that we offer this great sacrifice? Because we're only giving him of his own. We have nothing to give. So, the, the, and so they'll, well, I have to stop now. But there are crowns. We, I think we studied about that not too long ago. There are crowns that, that we will have. But what do we do with them? Oh, we cast them back at his feet. Because we have them crowns because of him and because of what he's done. So the thanksgiving always goes to him. So in this season, and still in the holiday seasons and everything, we just remember that for all things, thanksgiving goes to him. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed.